0: Hello everyone and welcome to the Food Fight podcast. I'm Lakshmi Baladasan.
1: And I'm Matt Eastland.
0: And Matt and I are both from EIT Food, which is Europe's leading food innovation initiative. We're working to make the food system more sustainable, healthy and trusted. So over the course of the series, we're inviting guests from all areas of the food industry to talk to us about how we can tackle some of the world's biggest food challenges. Importantly, fight for a better food future.
1: Yeah, and today we're continuing with a theme we began in a previous podcast, which is food waste. So then we were speaking to Olio and a retailer, Colwright to find about the efforts to stop perfectly edible food going in the bin, including things like food sharing networks and better date labelling on food products. But in this episode, we're asking the question, is there value in food waste? So how can we turn food that would usually be thrown away into useful, valuable products? Lakshmi, do you want to explain a little more?
0: Sure. So, there's a term used in the food industry called valorization which basically means a process of converting something that would usually be classed as waste into something of value. So we're mostly talking about processes that happen before food even reaches the consumer. So in a food production line, it might be offcuts or extras.
1: So these are things like fruits and veg with wonky edges?
0: Absolutely. Or even surplus of a product that is underordered and doesn't make it into shops.
1: So you take these unused bits and essentially upcycle them into something useful, is that right?
0: Yes, and it's a great way to reduce the amount going to landfill, and as a bonus, you make money.
1: So good for the planet and potentially good for business too then.
0: Absolutely, but to make this work, you do have to be quite inventive. Yes, indeed. And inventive is exactly
1: what our guests are today. So in the studio, I'm very excited to welcome Rob Wilson, who's the CEO of Toastel, an award-winning craft beer made with surplus fresh bread that would otherwise be wasted. Rob, welcome to The Food Fight. Cheers. Thanks for having me.
0: And joining us over Skype all the way from Zurich, I'd like to extend a very warm welcome to Linda Greider. She's the founder and CEO of Rethink Resource, a company that has created an online marketplace where producers and processing businesses can trade their side in waste streams. Hello, Linda. Thanks for being here today. Hello. Thank you very much for having me. So Rob and Linda, before we get into specific of both your businesses, let's talk about the food waste crisis. So, to both of you, do you think that the public and also the food industry is really aware of the scale of the problem? Maybe let's start with you, Rob.
2: The industry definitely is. Um you know, there's a I think everyone that works in the food and drink industry is passionate about their food and drink and understand that there is this catastrophic crisis at hand where one third of the food that we're producing is going to waste. The public, I don't think, are so aware. Typically, we're quite blind to this. It's happening in big factories. It's happening behind the scenes. It's not just us as consumers wasting food. It's happening throughout the whole supply chain. Mm -hmm. And it's the biggest cause of climate change, the food industry. People think of it in isolation. But when you consider the deforestation, the energy usage, the transportation, when one third goes to waste, there's such an efficiency issue there that you can tackle. It's so tangible and so I think if the public were more aware of this, it would be quite refreshing to see that there's actually quite a tangible solution for us to solve when it comes to yeah the catastrophic consequences of climate change.
1: Yeah. And, and that's really interesting. I mean, it's a huge issue, obviously. I mean, Linda, from your perspective, you obviously work with a lot of food manufacturers. Do you, do you think do you agree with Rob? Do you think they're as fully aware as that?
3: Yeah, I actually fully agree and especially like the point Rob made that the food waste is occurring along the whole value chain uh, or food supply chain and the consumers are mostly aware of their own waste, so the post-consumer waste, but not the pre-consumer. And I think... um, the industry knows that they do create a lot of of waste inside streams, but the consumers are probably not aware that it's not only post consumer waste but also pre-consumer waste that is um, adding up uh, a lot. Of, of the food waste problem that we have.
1: And just briefly, Linda, can you explain what you mean by pre-consumer and post-consumer waste?
3: Yes. <laughs> so with the pre-consumer waste, I, I refer to all the waste streams that occur during the processing, uh, the production of, of our food that we eat. Um, and the post-consumer waste is all the food waste that is occurring after it has been bought by us, the consumers, so occurring at our house, at the retailers, at the bakery shop and so on.
1: Okay, cool. Thank you. That's super clear. Um, And to both of you again, so you're both founders uh, of your companies and you've made it your mission to lead ventures that target these waste streams. So can you tell me why you were personally drawn
2: into this? Rob, can we start with you? Absolutely, yeah. And um, I definitely cannot claim uh, the full founder um, title. The original idea came from a good friend of mine, Tristram Stewart. Um, Tristram's a food waste activist and environmental campaigner and has arguably done more than anyone really to raise awareness about the issue of food waste, especially connecting it to uh, an environmental issue. I think people previously, I guess, understandably considered food waste to be people are going hungry, there's food going to waste, let's Mm -hmm. connect the dots people didn't necessarily consider the environmental issue at stake. At the time, I was running an organization called Ashoka that supports social entrepreneurs, social enterprises. Tristram was one of the social entrepreneurs that we support. And at the time, he had this idea, which was, let's start up a beer company where we brew beer using surplus bread. Uh, let's get wasted on waste. Yeah, I read uh, that. And... Yeah, he pretty much had me at that moment. Um, And my advice to him was, Tristram, this is such a good idea. I think I should run this. Um, And uh, he said, OK, go on then, you egocentric. (laughs) he (laughs) strong-armed your partner, right? Yeah, he said, yeah, go uh, go for it, man. And uh, a team of four of us from the very beginning uh, got toast um, off the ground and yeah in, in a nutshell uh, we're on a mission to prove the alternative to food waste is is delicious and pint sized um, and the, the worst offender uh, of them all when it comes to food waste is the humble loaf of bread so 44% of the bread that's baked in the UK goes to waste um, and wow. when we realised that You could brew a really delicious beer using that bread. And and in fact, the origins of beer production that date back thousands of years have always had bread in the ingredients up until really the industrial revolution. Is that right? Local bakeries, local breweries would partner up and surplus would be passed on to the brewery. Uh, And so I guess we love the whole circular economy nature of what we're doing, but also the circularity of bringing the beer production back to its origins uh, an element of romance i guess in in that given the craft beer uh, boom that that's happening and on a brief personal level uh, i grew up with my uh, my dad worked in the fruit and vegetable industry and i saw a huge amount of waste growing up i would earn my pocket money uh, during holidays uh, picking apples in farms that my dad would set me up with to try and bring in some cash mm-hmm. um, and uh, just saw how much went to waste when I was picking these apples and we had these little measures and if they weren't the right shape or size, like you described with the ugly or wonky fruits and vegetables. And it was really Tristram that mainstreamed the understanding of this concept of wonky and ugly fruits and veg. And so that memory and then connecting with Tristram where he became somewhat of an idol to me, uh, which uh, really started to connect the dots.
1: I mean, you know, talking of sort of these industrial processes, I mean, Linda, is this the reason that you set up Rethink Resource?
3: Um, Yes and no. So I come from an angle of the circular industry. I actually um, have a completely different background. I... uh, I'm a legal practitioner by training, so um, my family, however, was um, always involved in industrial production. So that could be from the food or the textiles industry or some others as well. And I have always been in, in contact with industrial scale production. And um, when I got engaged with the whole topic of circular economy, already during my studies uh, of law, (laughs) I specialized in IP law, and therefore also technology and industry was always very important for me. And I uh, then joined uh, the World Circular Economy Forum uh, one year, and I realized that there was no representative of the industry. And I didn't understand, because uh, for me, circular economy was all about the industry recirculating their side streams and uh, using unused potential kind of um, becoming more efficient connecting sustainability with uh, profitability and so on and i i was wondering why is nobody here from industry and then i started to dig into that topic and realized that uh, there's something missing and
0: that's the reason why i set up rethink resource
1: Amazing. Love that. Thank you.
0: And I guess going back to you, Rob, um, so you go by the title of Chief Toaster.
2: (laughs) Yeah, back to that egocentric (laughs) (laughs) title ever.
0: So it would be really great if you can tell us a little bit about where that title comes from and actually a little bit more about how you actually make your beer in the process.
2: Yeah, so I guess hopefully that title um, doesn't make me sound too much of a plonker. And it comes from, um, uh, I guess, a good sense of humour that we have in the business. We... Do you believe that, you know, saving this planet should be something that we celebrate. We approach everything that we do with a fun, celebratory tone. Uh, so we built the business on four core principles. Number one, really freaking delicious beer. Like it's gotta serve the purpose that a consumer wants when they go into a bar or a restaurant or a supermarket. Mm-hmm. They're buying a beer, it's gotta be a good beer. Mm-hmm. And we've won international awards for the beer, it's fantastic. We've blind taste tested and we win gold medals. It's great. But number two, three and four, I guess, are the cuddly principles behind the business. Um, and number two is trying to eliminate commercial bread waste. Yep. So we've open sourced our recipe. We That's been downloaded about 50,000 times wow. so far. We've collaborated with breweries all around the world. We're really trying to see the entire beer industry be a part of solving this yeah, issue with us. We're not... Um, I guess, trying to focus just on the Toast brand, trying to achieve this on its own. We want to see a systemic change. Uh, but number three, like I said, we, we want to communicate about food waste, but in a fun, accessible way. So yeah, back to sort of chief toaster. So I'm the CEO, but we're trying to be fun as a business and approach everything, uh, I guess, quite lightheartedly, even though it's such an urgent, serious issue that, mm. we, that, that we face. Um, and so we communicate about some of these facts and stats around food waste, we put those on our bottles and our cans. Um, and yeah, we hope we can lubricate some good conversations over a beer. Uh, and then the fourth thing, we pour 100% of our profits into environmental charities. Uh, so it makes us the best wow. thing since you know what. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's <nice> bread. <laughs> right. So that's really interesting. So
1: basically, I mean, as a startup, I imagine a lot of startups are quite concerned about their IP yep. and, you know, people really knowing everything they're doing so that it can be copied. But that's obviously not what you're worried
2: about. No, I guess our our IP ultimately is in the brand. Um, The IP behind beer production, like like I said, it's an ancient concept Mm -hmm. to use surplus bread in beer production. So we replace one third of the malted barley with surplus bread that would otherwise go to waste. Um, And that you're getting the carbohydrates and the sugars from that you're mashing in. That's converting to alcohols. Um, And so... Yeah, I guess that's uh, yeah, that's, that's sort of the the process that we yeah that, that we go through.
0: Do you use all sorts of types of bread? We
2: yeah, I guess. Um, I mean, similar to Linda sort of talking about the sort of industrial scale nature of this, I'd love to have a romantic story where I'm on a pedal bike going to artisanal bakeries and getting sourdoughs and baguettes and rye breads, and it's all you know lovely and local. The reality is that bread waste is happening at such an industrial scale um, that. We get most of our bread from the sandwich industry, where the end slice, the heel of a loaf of bread, is surplus to requirements and never ends up on your pre-packed sandwich in a shop. So we get all of those crusts that would otherwise just be chucked out before they become waste, whilst they're still surplus, and back to the kind of value of food. It's a really important issue in food waste and food surplus to define the difference. So surplus is before it becomes waste. Yes. Um, And so we're taking that surplus bread uh, before it's chucked out, before it's in a bin, before it is waste, uh, and we're, we're brewing it up. And the reality is we're using that bread whilst it's still almost day fresh often, like it'll be baked in the morning, delivered to the brewery in the afternoon. The bakery will bring it to the brewery for free because it's cheaper for them to give it to us than it is to pay to dispose of it as mm. commercial waste. But an- another like tangible thing to realise where waste happens, you imagine cutting up a loaf of bread on your uh, breadboard at home and the amount of crumbs that come off every slice you cut. Mm-hmm. You imagine all the sliced loaves that exist in all the supermarkets in this country and around the world. Every time they are sliced, there are crumbs created. Now, one single sandwich or one single bread loaf line that's got a slicer will probably create about three to five tonnes of crumb every single week. Wow. Um, and so... That's the sort of thing that, again, that kind of pre-consumer sort of waste um, that we're talking about, you wouldn't even think of, and obviously when you're at home and you see that waste, but when that's scaled up by tens of millions of times, you can Mm -hmm. imagine, yeah, that's a lot of crumb. And that's a tiny fraction of where the waste is happening. So, yeah, there's all this surplus happening along the the supply chain that we are super eager to tackle and believe that the beer industry can play a pivotal role in, in tackling that.
0: Oh, that's incredible. I had no idea.
2: Me neither.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. And so I guess going from like that specific focus on on bread, um, which Rob, you do. So Linda, my assumption is that what you do at Rethink Resource goes even wider. You look at many other sort of uh, surplus food waste. Is that right?
3: Right. Correct. Yes. And I actually also love that the terms you use, Rob, with a surplus, Uh, we also try to eliminate the word waste, Mm -hmm. (laughs) because um, that's also maybe coming back to the title of this podcast is uh, value in food waste, because we want to see the value, we want to recognize that value, and we don't want to call it waste, because in waste, there's probably no high value. But these Surplus food materials, they really do carry a lot of important value and also a nutritious value for us human beings. And uh, we're just throwing them away until now. <laughs> so, yes, I do see a lot of different side streams really. Is it uh, in fruits, uh, vegetables, um, also bakery bottles, chocolate? I mean, also the beer industry does have a very interesting side stream actually, the, the spent grain. Mm, yeah. uh, we have, have worked uh, a lot with spent grain as well. And um, I mean, if you can use a side stream for the beer industry and then use the side stream of the beer industry for another product again, it really shows that. The the materials are starting to circulate and and that kind of networks are emerging where material is reused and repurposed. And and this is what we are working on. Yes.
1: Okay, great. And can you explain for our listeners exactly what your platform is? So you call it Cicado, but, you know, what is that exactly? How does it work? (laughs)
3: <laughs> yes. So Circado actually comes from circular and mercado, which is the name for market in, in Spanish. Oh, okay. um, yeah. So it's supposed to be a circular market. Mm-hmm. And uh, what we do it. It. Um, offers the industry a kind of a trading platform that is also offering a matchmaking mechanism so that we can connect different um, companies or different industries already that can reuse another's side streams. So, for example, there's a cosmetic producer on our platform and asking for. Um, some ingredient that uh, he can use as a replacement for um, plastic beans for exfoliants, for, mm-hmm. for body scrubs. And, uh, but he probably doesn't know at that moment what it could be. And what our platform then does is it screens our database of um, registered side streams and gives him an output of possible matches. Okay. And for that example, it could either be, for example, um, nut shells or right. raspberry seeds or sorry, anything r- sorry, similar. Ra-
1: raspberry seeds?
3: Yes, yes. Is that,
1: is that a big food surplus?
3: <laughs> that is a huge food surplus. You actually, wow. I don't know how you like your, your jam in the morning, um, but probably... Just lots of
1: it, generally. <laughs>
3: yeah. <laughs> and is are there seeds in there?
1: Uh, God... You know what? Hmm? I, don't, Probably I don't think not. there are, no.
3: <laughs> yeah, because oh, yeah. most companies actually take them out in order to make the, the jam very smooth. And uh, they're like hundreds and thousands of tons of raspberry seeds what, what <laughs> that we're dealing with. What,
2: what are companies using them for, Linda?
3: Yeah, actually, the, the example I, I gave you now with the uh, exfoliants for yeah. the cosmetic industry is actually um, actually happening. So that that is one of the usages um, they're trying now. Um, but actually, until now, some of them um, have been washed down the drain because it was too expensive to incinerated or something Mm. similar Um, and it was cheapest to just wash it down Um, but also it it also carries a lot of potential for actually uh, flavors or pigments because there's still the color and the taste in these seeds so our platform is there hopefully in order to match people that are looking for something with this potential that industries meet or companies meet that probably would not have met otherwise
1: Okay, that's amazing. I mean, can I just ask one last question on that, Linda? So Please. you're probably the best person to be able to say, you know, what kind of uh, surplus foods uh, are going through. So what, what are the biggest, one, what, you know, what's the kind of the, the greatest amount of uh, types of foodstuffs that you see on your platform?
3: <laughs> so actually the biggest amounts are um, dry bulk resources, um, meaning um, bran or uh, rice husks or chocolate husks things like these okay. it's absolutely insane what kind of quantities we're talking about and the difficulty there is that these um, side streams occur very regular and for upcycling solution or a side stream valorization solution this is actually a very Big challenge to find something that can take up all of these amounts, mm. and this is also something where our platform tries to help with, you know, um, either pulling together small small amounts of side streams for one big company that wants to take up a huge amount, or actually splitting a big side stream to many smaller and
0: different processors that can take up the material, and. Um so, picking up some from something that you've said about spent grains, Rob, it'd be really interesting to hear what you do with your spent grains.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, all of our spent grain uh, goes into animal feed. Um, so, yeah, where we we brew actually on a on a farm in Yorkshire, and um, all of the power for the farm comes from an on-site wind farm. All of the water that we use comes from a local borehole. All of the grain and barley that we use comes from the surrounding fields. Wow. And then the spent grain goes back into uh, the the cattle grazing in the, the the fields as well. So we try and be as circular as possible. Um, the best thing you can do with spent grain is try and repurpose that into human consumption. So the food waste pyramid, the best thing you can do with food that's been created for human purpose is to feed it to people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so um, there's a really cool project called Regrained in the US um, that reprocesses surplus spent grain into flour
0: mm, okay.
2: and so you can then create you can actually we've we've baked loaves of bread um in that way and then we've we've had lots of fun so we've kind of ended up creating beer breads from our beer and turning the spent grain into bread and we call it the circle of loaf and people love it it kind <laughs> of like blows people's minds that you've got this kind of constant evolution of beer and bread and it just never ends uh, obviously, if you consume it at some stage, it ends. And that's what I think people don't quite understand, mm. is that you can see a lot of value. Um, and also, in a similar way to processing spent grain into flour, um, one of the most like interesting things that people may not be aware of that you can do with surplus bread is actually just dry that and reprocess that back into flour. Mm-hmm.
0: Wow, okay. And then create another loaf of bread. And wow.
2: so, yeah, that's what some bakeries are starting to do, which is very cool.
0: So... How's the response from the consumer been about this? Do you think it's a story that's really enticed consumers or is it because you're just created a delicious product?
2: I I think so. I think it's really captured people's imagination. Uh, It's been a bonkers four years, to be honest. So since we started, um, Jamie Oliver uh, featured us on a TV show he does called The Friday Night Feast with a friend of his, Jimmy, Jimmy and Jamie. Mm. And that was the kind of start of a whole media circus that kind of took off where we've been on... Yeah, like Latin American TV shows and Indian newspapers and Japanese and Korean TV and, yeah, lots of North American documentaries and things. It's really captured people's imagination, which is great. And we've seen the idea replicated now all around the world. So we have regular requests from people wanting to start their own bread beer. Uh, Woolworths, a big retail chain in Australia, has copied the idea and done their own bread beer.
1: Okay.
2: In the UK, uh, M&S and Iceland, the supermarket, do their own label bread beer as well. And, you know, that's all part of our real enthusiasm for creating systemic change. We want it to become normalized. Mm. We want it to certainly not be an oddity or a potential gimmick uh, that we're using Mm. surplus fresh bread in beer production. Uh, We want it just to become an absolute norm. But like Linda said, you know, the challenge is... Is that supply chain where how can you create the connections, which is what Linda's doing, which is Mm. so amazing and awesome, at an industrial scale to connect business to business, where in the bread bakery industry, you've got, you know, thousands of tons of waste being created daily. And then the brewing industry where thousands of tons of barley and grain are needed daily. But connecting those dots is at the moment quite often the missing piece. Yeah. But not when exactly. Linda is on the case. <laughs> <laughs> you're
0: filling that gap.
1: So do you? So you, do you both think then, from a business perspective, that it's going to be? It is worth the effort, then. You know. So Rob, you're obviously you've done great jobs in terms of scaling this up globally. Linda, you're sort of connecting businesses together. But do you do you get any pushback from people because they just don't think that this is worth their while? Mm,
3: actually, not. No. So I think that that on in the contrary they are actually really interested because it does offer a ecological and economical component that can be compared and and I think they have never had that opportunity before so sustainability has always been kind of a side thing they did in business and it has never been part of the actual business and mm-hmm. I think that they can really improve their factory or their businesses Efficiency is a very, very interesting value proposition that they're highly interested in. And I mean, sometimes it is difficult for the industry to invest in, in, in um, such efforts, meaning that they probably have to treat their side streams differently, as Rob uh, referred to before, with they don't let it become waste. So they do not throw it in a ton or something. Yeah. Um that somehow or sometimes can can involve some investment that they need to you know um keep it food safe or whatever um they're a bit hesitant on that but as soon as they realize what the market potential can be um it actually never led to some some kind of uh throwback or yeah
1: okay great so businesses are seeing the kind of value in food surplus then Yes. A question that sort of occurs to me when, when we're talking here is, does this potentially mask a problem for the consumer? So if consumers think that you know, there are businesses out there who are processing this uh, food surplus on their behalf, do you think there's ever a worry that consumers might think, oh, and in which case, it doesn't really matter. I can just carry on doing what I'm doing. Rob?
2: Uh, I guess there's a potential risk. How we mitigate that risk is pouring our profits into a charity called Feedback that campaigns at a systemic level to end food waste and they're lobbying for consumer behaviour change, Mm -hmm. um, retail behaviour change, government policy change. And so that's really important to us. We know as much as we try to hope and believe that beer is the solution to our world's ills. Uh, it probably <laughs> isn't on its own. Mm-hmm. And so if we can create profits to fund fantastic organizations like Feedback to do the work that they do, then they can tackle this issue from another angle. And back to your original question before as well. You know, we see huge interest from consumers and business and I think that the important thing is to create very delicious solutions and avoid any element of, you know, the yuck factor, mm-hmm. or a potential sort of gimmick factor, it's got to be so normalized and mainstream and uh, palatable and delicious. Can I just pick
1: up something you said, you talked about the yuck factor from consumers, What what, what is that yuck factor? What, why is that?
2: Yeah, so I think that comes back to this issue of surplus or waste. Of course, you know, we are um, not so ignorant that there isn't sometimes a connotation where people are thinking, oh, my goodness, do you mean bread at the back of a bread bin that's a little bit mouldy? Mm. It's like, no, like there's perfectly good day fresh bread that goes to waste, all of this surplus that happens at this industrial level. So there's an element of education that needs to happen to understand where this surplus is created. You know, there, there have been examples where people have said, I've got a great idea, maybe you could uh, create this kind of collection scheme where people could send their surplus bread to yes. you. And it's kind of like no, like that's that would be a yuck factor. Mm. Uh, we even had a very well-known national pizza brand uh, reach out to us to say, could they use the crusts when people don't eat the crust and they mm. finish their crusts? Uh, they finish the pizza, but they've left the crust on the plate. Could we give you the crusts to brew? We're like, that would probably create a bit of a yuck factor yeah. uh, if we were trying to describe our delicious product was actually brewed using people's leftover crusts on a plate at the end. Now, I personally would have no issue eating someone's crust, uh, but uh, but but in general, most of the public would find that a bit of a yuck factor. Uh, and so I think that's the important issue to, to try and, I guess, create a balance with.
1: OK, and I'm just, yeah, I'm just wondering about how we remove those negative connotations. You're talking about like pizza crusts. Yeah, How do we avoid that kind of yuck factor from consumers? How do we make sure that they realise that this valuable food surplus is, is actually something which is still really good for them and still is proper food?
2: Yeah, well, uh, Linda, something where um, I'll be up for uh, seeing if, if you're up for doing it um, over where you are, uh, what we're doing here uh, at Toast, and we've got a bunch of us like Olio and Too Good To Go and Karma and Rubies in the Rubble, some amazing organisations out there that are fighting food waste. All of us have sort of signed up, just individually. It's not a big organised thing, but just individually we're signed up that all of our teams will go a whole week living off food that would otherwise go to waste Mm. in January. We're just going to pick a week and just try and give it a go, but bring all of our families on board as well. So I was speaking to my little boy... About the concept of bin diving uh, probably does create a bit of a yuck factor Uh, and my little boy was like daddy no we're not going to dive in a bin Um, and I just think that that, that obviously we won't go diving in a bin with my little boy Um, but um, I think just that education as well at a young age to understand and talk about it and embrace it and love that Oh,
0: I love that! It's Starting them quite young. I would love to see it if he can <laughs> roll it out in his, in his primary daycare or nursery.
2: Yeah, well, his primary school is great. I think schools are getting much better at talking about these things. His primary school is very uh, encouraging and talking about these issues, which is great. But Linda, you are for joining us.
3: Yeah. Actually, Absolutely. I think the whole team would be because I mean, we're all into avoiding food waste also in our private life and also in our office. And we always have lunch together. And it's our purpose to not create waste during that, that lunch. And uh, so uh, yes, absolutely. I think um, we should connect after the podcast and, and see how, how our team can join that, that week of food
2: percent 100%. 100%. Yeah. And my, my big, my big, I guess just to shamelessly plug, but I really would encourage people to download Oleo, download Too Good To Go, download Karma. Yeah. These are such easy, useful, tangible ways that are win-win-win where you, know, you can go to a local restaurant, buy the lunch a couple of hours after lunchtime is typically served, get a half-price meal, you get great food for cheap. They still make some revenue. Food doesn't go to waste. Win, win, win. So I just really encourage it. It's such an easy way to be part of the solution.
0: And um, do you think in in the near future that this is going to be like the absolute requirement for businesses that actually circularity is going to be an absolute must as part of their business model?
3: I, I think so. <laughs> so I think that they cannot afford to, to really throw away anymore in the future. I mean, also in terms of money, it really is very expensive to throw away yeah. your your side streams. It's not just easy, it's also very expensive. And I think when we can offer them an easy solution that does not cost them so much money, but actually offers them an interesting business opportunity that, that increases their factory's efficiency, they cannot look away from that uh, opportunity anymore. And it will become norm, I think. So uh, Rethink Resource is now active for three years. And I think uh, three years ago, it has been much more difficult to actually even find someone within the companies being responsible for these matters. At the moment, uh, more and more companies are putting in place positions that are specifically responsible for either food waste or circular economy or Anything related to these topics, and um, I think that makes our life much more easier. But that also makes the whole topic for the companies much more tangible. So they do have someone responsible for that now, and I also start to realize that within the companies, a lot of people do have a lot of great ideas, mm-hmm. and they also have this, you know, they, this feeling that they want to have this authenticity and and and, and this this innovation in the company, but them in their position they they couldn't change it but now they have someone to talk to and that creates kind of a yeah a, a buzz within the companies and and I think that's really interesting to see and that didn't happen three years ago
1: okay it's really great to know that I mean big organizations are making this progress can we just bring this back down to a like a a real consumer level. I mean, you know, we, we've actually gone out and we've asked people on social media, you know, what, what uh, you know, what are the questions you have about this particular topic? Uh, and one of them they've asked is, you know, what, what are the best ways that people in their own homes can make you best use of food surplus? So Rob, you talked about breadcrumbs, but I imagine for some people, they might not do that. What, what other things can
2: they do? Yeah, so yeah, like I said, keeping things in the freezer may well be one smart way to do it. I think not buying so much in the first instance, being very conscious about what you are purchasing. Like, also use your your senses, use your nose, use your like eyes, um, like tell whether something actually is really waste or surplus, and like eat it, consume it. Mm. Chances are that it might not be beyond its best, even though the date says it is. And so, use your senses, trust your senses. I think that's what we also don't do enough. And there is a big issue around date labeling that yeah mm. we need to also wake up to and realize that yeah, perfectly good food is chucked out because of understandable misinformation and mm. confusion uh, around it. So uh, we're almost
1: out of time, guys, but you know, looking to the future, so what are the innovations and the solutions that you're seeing now that you're most excited and hopeful about? So Linda, I was wondering if I could start with you.
3: That's a good question. <laughs> I think um, what I'm absolutely excited about is all the innovations that are um, creating like creating products that we really need out of waste, and that can really be um, food, feed, but also like cosmetics or building material, like all the things we need on a daily basis that can be made from from side streams they excite me mm-hmm. and also like Europe that you're not protecting your recipe but that you're trying to share it and I think all of these new business models and and new ways of operating your business are are changing our future and and this is what really excites me and and it's also keeping me going I think.
1: Oh, I love that. And and Rob, what about you? What are you most excited about? Um,
3: I
2: think it's, maybe it's not the most sexy side of it, but I think the thing I'm most excited about is just the very fact that we are talking about it, that the awareness is increasing, that there is a much deeper, richer understanding that the food industry has this issue and that we need to tackle it and that it has such catastrophic consequences if we do not tackle it. Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of the movement around things like Extinction Rebellion and raising awareness to consumers uh, about telling the truth uh, and we do need to tell the truth about what is happening in the food industry and I think we need to be open and transparent about it and because it's happening at such an industrial level I just think the, the very fact that like Linda's business model exists is so exciting, the mm-hmm. fact that there are now commercial needs for a B2B marketplace is amazing that's exciting because what we're doing is having a big impact. I think we're reaching a lot of consumers. We're raising some awareness. We're Like I said, that it captures people's imagination. But we are just scratching the surface. Mm. And so the idea of tackling this at an industrial level with redistribution and a marketplace like Linda's created is where the real tangible change can happen. And that's, yeah, that's awesome. Amazing.
0: And uh, I guess for me, it would be really interesting here, other than Toast Ale, What's your top pick for another company that's doing an amazing job of valorizing and inspiring?
2: Yeah, so I think re, uh, so. Regrained in California, uh, definitely. Uh, so Dan, who founded that, feels like he's a brother from another mother. We, uh, <laughs> we, uh, we got a lot of love for each other. So um, uh, we, uh, we often uh, sort of see each other at, uh, at events and conferences and things. And uh, we haven't yet formally collabed actually to use some of our surplus spent grain into some of his flour, but we've got to make that happen. They produce these delicious cereal bars as well from their spent grain
0: Oh, amazing. What about you, Linda? Any examples of companies that are inspiring you or some interesting products you've seen coming out of your platform? Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, I mean, uh, the products of our customers are working on that are inspiring me a lot, I, I cannot talk about so much. But um, <laughs> I mean, there are, there are apps like, you know, Too Good To Go yeah. um, that are I'm a big, big fan of uh, using a lot. And I think it's also something that is easy to also you know show to our customers actually even though it does not have to do anything with their business and and their the the industrial factor but it kind of inspires them on a personal level and and often when I'm talking to customers I'm mentioning apps like too good to go uh, to them and and they're like crazy about it and they're like next time when I see them they're like you know I tried it and it's really cool and I'm gonna show it to my kids and and you know you can like Inspire people with things like this, and I think that's a great thing to do. And uh, mm. therefore, I think it's a very, very good example of inspiring people.
2: Yeah, and I think I think I think what's quite fun about our sort of yeah, our sector, our industry, is that yeah. we do do a lot of shouting about the other success stories and yeah. yes. trying to bring people on board. A lot yes. of what we like to talk about are the other businesses, the other brands, the other yeah. ones that are cutting through as well, because we are mm. all definitely part of a much broader. Uh, movement and yeah one big family of organizations trying to tackle this issue and so so many of us will constantly be referencing each other it's awesome it's a really really uh, collaborative cooperative movement that's happening
0: i must say this this uh, episode has made me feel quite hopeful about where the future of food is going absolutely it's really inspiring it's been great to chat to you both
1: so so yeah guys i think we're right at the end of the show so i guess we just need to ask where can people find out more about your work linda
3: at our website, <laughs> rethink-resource.com. Um, you can reach out to us there. Uh, you can also find a lot of examples, as Rob just said, uh, of other companies that are developing great products out of streams. on our website. You can reach out to them. Just give us a call also once you're in Switzerland, maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> We're always happy to, to uh, have you at our office and talk to everyone who's interested about this ideas and field uh, our industry and yeah.
1: Amazing. Thanks, Linda. And what about you, Rob? Where can people find out about more about Toast Ale?
3: Yeah,
2: so we are at Toast Ale on all of our social media platforms. Please take lots of photos of you enjoying a beer uh, or send us any thoughts that you've got. <laughs> we love as much interaction as possible on social media. And then our website is toastale.com. Now that we are all friends, I'll share a little cheeky discount code. So if uh. you put I know Rob, now that we're all friends, <laughs> into uh, into the discount box, you'll get a nice little promo code. Uh, all one word. To, uh, yeah, if you want to buy the, uh, buy the beer. And actually, just to say, I think, yes, be hopeful because uh, there are good things happening. It is so important to emphasize and not to belittle what I'm doing, what Linda's doing, but it's still small scale compared to mm. this huge industrial issue that we face. Mm. And so I think back to um, what you said around, uh, like the complacency of consumerism, like I definitely don't want people to listen to this podcast and think, oh, great, everything's great, like, because it isn't, there's so much still to do. And we all need to be a part of it. We all can be a part of it. We all need to eat day in, day out. Of course we do. And we should be able to enjoy the foods and drinks that we want to enjoy. But be conscious of it. Speak to your manager at the local supermarket and just ask them, what are they doing? about zero packaging, what are they doing about tackling waste? Ask the question. And if enough store managers get asked, mm. change will happen. There's mm. some really important things that are happening in big retail, but it has to be led by consumer demand. That is how they operate, of course. And we can also all vote in elections. We can vote for uh, the parliamentarians that we want to represent us. And again, they will only do what we ask of them. And I think we need to know that as citizens, as change makers, as consumers – we've got to be a part of the solution and be active rather than a passive listener and think that things are just happening and everything's wonderful and it's all going to be rainbows in a couple of years because it won't be unless we all are part of the
0: solution. I think that's sort of the aspiring thing uh, from both of you that you saw the value in this and you've been pushing from bottom up and change has taken place so that has been truly inspiring for me
1: yeah for me too guys so just to say thank you so much for being on the podcast i bet everyone's learned a lot i think we certainly have so you are listening to the food fight podcast and looking forward to speaking to you all next time rob thank you very much cheers and linda thank you very much
3: thank you very much as well